This is just a few questions, just a few questions from Chicago. I have Armstrong Williams on the show. Armstrong Williams is a political commentator and, dare I say, Mr. Williams, a media mogul. <laughs> Thanks for being on the show. Mark, brother, what's happening? Uh, I'll be, uh, this is my, f- f- my main question. I'll be, I'm really serious about this. Uh, when, Mr. Williams, when will the Republican Party become more, quote, unquote, reasonable and start attracting more African Americans to the Republican Party. I, you know what? Um, I, I think the real conversation is when will both sides put in place real policies, real substantial reform to create economic engines in these communities to create a really robust educational system to eliminate the crime and the threat in their neighborhoods, to get rid of these food deserts and these liquor stores um, so we don't have so many of African Americans disproportionately who have preconditions. I, I think you can look at the Republican Party and you may look at through that lens and assume that the Republican Party can do more. But you know what? Black Americans have spent so many decades, so many decades, electing what they consider to be people that look like them to the highest office in the land. And yet, it seems to work for them very well. They create wealth for themselves. They create power. They create leverage. But it seems as though the communities are still spiraling out of control. I don't know if that community does any better, if a Republican is in the White House or if a Democrat is in the White House. My conversation is, when are we going to have policies that really work where African-Americans can really realize the promise of America to them? Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, with all the dramas going on with the uh, protests and the pandemic, uh, this crisis, do you think uh, through this crisis or after this crisis, we will begin to see some of the change you speak of? We've seen crises like this so many times before, Watts, Ferguson, Freddie Gray, um, New York. Uh, we, 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 you see, it just happens so often. And even as this crisis is unfolding now, you still have law enforcement officers who are still brutalizing people. As if they did not see the memo, they did not see the footage, as if they have no conscience, they still continue with this same behavior. And you ask yourself, why does, does it continue? And the, the question is, do we need it? Is, it? is it about reform? I mean, if you change police tactics, if you change the fact that they cannot use certain chokeholds or putting a knee on somebody's knee, is it going to really change that person inside? If that's who that person is, and someone says something to them out of the wrong way, if they had a bad day and their wife slapped them upside the head and the kid not let them sleep the night before, is, is, is stopping that person of being in the line of danger going to trigger something in them and them, where they go back to that same behavior where they forget everything about all of a sudden this new training is being poured in that you can't do this like it was done before because there are consequences? I, I, just, I just don't know. I, re, I refuse to believe that George Floyd's death six months from now it's going to change much. I just don't see it. I, I don't, I just, I'm just at my, with it. I've never seen a year marked like 2020. I remember when Kobe 
and his daughter and his people died in that chop in California. I thought it was just a world of chaos. But it seems like, you know, that was just a tip of the iceberg of what was to come. And then we had this COVID-19, the COVID virus. People are dying. Then all of a sudden, we saw what happened to George Floyd. We saw what happened to Breonna Taylor. And listen, even think about this. Think about this, Mark. Those stories, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Aubrey, Ahmaud Aubrey, happened months ago. It wasn't until so many different communities came together to demand the heartbeat of justice and fairness that even the mainstream media took up the mantle. I mean, and then you, you supposedly, these stories, these stories happen in places like Minnesota and in Georgia, and you would assume that anybody who, who in their right mind, who could look at the evidence and clearly, it's clear that what happened to these people was an injustice. It was, it was someone took their life for no reason at all. And yet the DA, the prosecutor, the system says we have no reason to press charges. And it wasn't until the fact that it became explosive. The media revisited it. They held the DA, the prosecutors, the system accountable. And all of a sudden, they had to go back and review the evidence and say, oh, well, we, we filed the wrong charges. Let us do this again. Are you kidding me? What does that tell you? It took months. I hope it does change. We'll see what happens. Before I get you off the phone, before you have to go back to your busy day, I can't leave this podcast without talking about one of my favorite subjects, parenting and education or education and parenting. Uh, uh, After this election, we've got six more months of this year, believe it or not. When the election's over, we may have a new president. We may not have a new president in January of 2021. Do you think they'll see some movement, Armstrong Williams, on uh, if, uh, not reform, yeah, reform in education, but more and more innovative, innovative uh, education, more innovation, and also the role of parenting. You talk about, I've seen you talk on videos about your parents and your schooling and your learning. Talk about that. And are, we, are you hopeful? Because I'm not hopeful for the future. Well, well, I'm I'm hopeful there because uh, I've seen um, I've seen progress. I've seen encouraging progress because we realize that one side does not fit all and and I, I think um even with now with the kids today while there will be a burnt out at home i do think that you see more emphasis and also the grades and the scores so better and parents are becoming more and more involved in their children's mm-hmm. education you there will always be shortcomings but the linkage the linkage mark between family and structures and adolescents academic experiences is part of a larger dynamic process unfolding over time. Um, and so you, you just have to look at um, how the best process, because you don't want kids going to school, feel like they're walking into a prison cell because of the magnetometers that they may have. Um, I, I think sort of the, the, the logistics regressions reveals that sort of family structure at birth predicted students academic status in math in, in, in the ninth grade, and you got this sort of this multinomial regressions re- revealed when you have this family instability along with curricular location and parenting behaviors, and also whether the parents are educated enough. Because if you have this, this learning and, and teach kids are being taught at home, you're, you want the parents to have a certain level of education. But I do think, particularly for the minority community, we have made tremendous strides, strides in this educational experiment. 
Armstrong Williams, I cannot thank you enough. I was a guest on your radio show many, many years ago, many years ago. And over the time, you have done quite well for yourself. And yours truly has not, hasn't done as well as you. I should have been a Republican. You think I made a big mistake not becoming a Republican? Oh, brother, you should always follow your value system, your principles. I'm a Republican because my parents were Republicans. I'm third-generation Republican. They never left the Republican Party. So, you know, but the Republican Party doesn't define me. I define the Republican Party. Armstrong Williams, it's been a pleasure, and I cannot thank you enough for being on the program. Thank you so much for having me. All the best, Mark. <laughs>